Oh, it's about to get spicy tonight. Do you think you would have been a Nazi? I'm sure you're probably saying no right now. Let's talk about that next on I'm Right. You think you would have been a Nazi? Do you think you would have? Let's set Nazis aside. That, that, that word's been so overused, sadly, now. We can't even really take in the true evil of Nazism and what they did. Let's just get rid of that for now. Let's talk about Armenia and the Ottoman Empire. Do you think you would have taken part in the genocide of the Armenians? If you were in Cambodia when the Khmer Rouge Pol Pot took over... And they began wiping out, well, it eventually, eventually turned out to be 25% of his own country, but they began just the mass slaughter of all the Vietnamese, all the Buddhist monks. Do you think you would have taken part in that? And I mean taken part in it. I, I'm talking about it's you at the side of the ditch, they're kneeling down in front of you, and pop, right in the back of somebody's head. Do you think you could have done something like that? I'm sure right now, I am positive right now, you're saying to yourself, no, this is weird. What are you talking about? I'm a good person. I, I, I go to the PTA. We go to church on Sunday. I, I, I'm, I'm a nice person. I'm sure you're saying all those things. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Who are the people do you think took part in those things? Not the leaders. Set the leadership shot aside. I'm talking about the guy who is, just as I described, standing on the Auschwitz guard tower, Standing on the side of the ditch in Cambodia, firing a bullet into the back of the head of a Buddhist monk. In Armenia, slaughtering the Armenians. Who are these people? Who were they? Were they monsters for real? I know we call them monsters. I call them monsters too, right? I mean, what other word would you describe? You're a Nazi, something like that. But in reality, were they monsters? No, I think we're all grown up enough to admit they were flesh and blood, skin, hair, depending on how old they were, just normal people. I think we can probably, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, admit that when they were born, they probably weren't evil people. I mean, maybe some were, but when there was just a little baby at one point in time. So how does one get from being an innocent, precious little baby, just a perfect little baby, right, to being the type of person who lines up a family of five, husband, wife, kids and all of them, shoots them all in the back of the head and buries them in the ground. That's quite a transition. That's a little shocking. How could, how could anybody get there? It's actually not as difficult as you think. It's not as difficult at all. One of the main things you have to remember about all of history's monsters who pulled off these things is many, 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 many of them had been frightened They'd been frightened by the very people they ended up working for, and they'd been frightened with very specific things. What am I talking about? Well, let's, uh, you know, what we used in the beginning, let's stick with it. Let's stick with the Nazis. How could anybody become a Nazi? Killing Jews and, and gay people and the gypsies and the mass wholesale slaughter? What person could possibly get to that place in their right mind? Well, you can't imagine it, and I can't imagine it, but maybe they were people who were followers. Maybe they were people who didn't think for themselves. And if you're a follower, 
someone who doesn't think for themselves, and that's many people out there. Maybe it's you. Maybe you prefer just to be told what to think. You've found a few select publications you read or TV shows you watch or radio shows you listen to, and you have two or three of them, and you just take in whatever they say, and you don't actually think about it. You just say, okay, that must be a fact, and you regurgitate it. Maybe that's you. It's perfectly natural. There's no judgment here. But I would argue you should probably be very, very, very careful if you are that type of person. Because back to the Nazi thing, maybe in order to be one of those camp guards, maybe all you had to be was a follower. Okay, so you're a natural follower, not the end of the world. Not only a follower, though, you were a follower who listened when the governments, when the guys who were in charge, when society as a whole told you, hey, those people over there, not only, not only are they lower than you, they're responsible for all the problems we have now. Oh, you don't have a job? <laughs> I'm sorry you don't have a job. That sucks. It was the Jews. Oh, you're mad about World War I? Guess what? Jews. Hey, you're bad. Our currency's worth nothing. Jews. How long would it take that person to get into the mindset of thinking, wow, the Jews really are the bad guys? Okay, what do we do to them? And again, Cambodia, we go through a million different examples. How do terrible things throughout history constantly happen to huge groups of people? It's not like this was a one-off. I could have used a million examples. Constantly. This stuff, I could have gone through all of ancient Rome and gone through this. How does this happen time and again? How do people allow themselves to turn into monsters? It's really not difficult at all. All you need are these conditions in a society. All you need is a society to decide as a whole. And I mean the influential parts of the society, all the cultural institutions, the religious parts, the government, the media, the education system, all the parts that make up a culture, the pillars of a culture. All you need is that society to decide we have problems and those people, they're the ones who are responsible for those problems. Those are the separate lower class of people. They're the ones who are responsible for everything we're going through right now. That's all you need. You can say, Jesse, that would never prompt people to, to do something terrible. Of course it would. Of course it would. If somebody was breaking into your home every single night, you didn't know who it was, and they were going to your kitchen and taking all the plates out of the cupboard and smashing them all on the ground, and every morning you woke up and all your plates were smashed, it'd be, you'd be mad. And you'd go looking for the person who did it. And what if I could bring you that person one day? And it turns out it was your neighbor. Every night he'd crawl through your back window and smash all your plates. Are you going to say, oh, this is the guy who smashed all my plates. Thanks, Jesse. All right, neighbor, I'll see you tomorrow. See everybody. No, of course. Step two, once you identify who the culprit is, is always, how should we punish them? What should we do to them? What, what are we going to do with all these people? They, they are responsible for everything we're going through. We've decided that they're a separate, lower class of people, and they're responsible for everything we're going to, through. The inevitable step two every single time is, what should we do about that? The Ottoman Empire. World War I isn't going the way you want. It's those stinking Armenians. 
It's those Armenian Christians. They've been a problem for a long time. What's step number two? What are we going to do about it? You're seeing it happen. If it sounds like I'm being extreme, it's because I really want you to wake up to what's happening right now. This is not just in the United States of America. This is around the world. Western society. Not scumbags like the communist Chinese or Putin in Russia. Western society has decided, all the system, all the leadership has decided, the unvaccinated, these people are responsible for everything. Not China, not coronavirus, not nothing. It's the unvaccinated. You've heard, you've heard the president of the United States of America repeatedly now, the leader of the free world, come out and say, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Unvaccinated, unvaccinated, it's the unvaccinated. Western society has decided already there's a separate lower class of people and it's their fault. What's step two? It happens every time. It's happening now. It's happening right in front of your eyes. What's step two? I mean, here's a doctor, Paul Offit, who's laying it out for you pretty frank. I do think this sort of constant talk about boosters is missing the main point. And although if, and if we put in place to some extent a third dose booster a recommendation in this country, that may have some effect on the pandemic. But if you're going to have a real effect on this pandemic, you're going to have to figure out a way to vaccinate the 60, 70, 80 million people who are unvaccinated. I mean, you are you have a 25 to 30 fold greater risk of being hospitalized or dying if you're unvaccinated and vaccinated. It's the vaccinate, unvaccinated that's spreading the virus in this country that's infecting others. And we, that's that should be what we take on, and we should talk about it every minute of every hour of every day because we're never going to get on top of this pandemic until we do that. We're never going to stop this pandemic until that separate lower class of people does what they're told because this pandemic, it's their fault. This is their fault. We're, we're never going to fix America until we figure out how should we get these people. Look, look, Brian Stelter, CNN, he's got a show five people watch on CNN, went out there, repeated it virtually verbatim on Twitter. This is the, it's the unvaccinated. They're, they're, they're oppressing the vaccinated, which is so weird. I, again, I, someone, needs to, someone needs to explain this to me very clearly. If you're a person who's been vaccinated, there's never any judgment for me. Yeah, I haven't. I've told you the reasons I, I haven't, but there's no judgment for me. If you made a personal health choice, go ahead. But if you're vaccinated, why do you care if I am? I mean, I'm assuming you got the vaccine because you believe it protects you from coronavirus. It's fine to make your own choices. What do you care if anyone else on the planet gets vaccinated or not? Hmm, it's weird. And I don't want you to think, ah, oh, Jesse, it's CNN. This is just some kind of a one-off. Oh, no, 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 no. This has become mainstream. These are all the things we should be doing to the unvaccinated. Washington Post, some of the biggest publications out there, the unvaccinated should go to the back of the healthcare line. The unvaccinated shouldn't be in schools. Unvaccinated shouldn't shop in grocery stores. Right now in the United States of America, in the most important city in the United States of America, New York, you are not, to you are not allowed to go in restaurants and eat. You're not allowed to go to concerts. You're not allowed to do anything if you're one of the dirty lower classes. Oh, it's gone mainstream. Here's Jimmy Kimmel. It was not a 
fun Labor Day weekend COVID-wise. The number of new cases is up more than 300% from a year ago. Dr. Fauci said that if hospitals get any more overcrowded, they're going to have to make some very tough choices about who gets an ICU bed. That choice doesn't seem so tough to me. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're... That's... Of course. He's... It is a funny joke. He's a separate lower class of person. And this whole thing's his fault. Of course he sh we should want him to die. Are you starting to understand how history turns people into monsters now? How fear and being a follower and groupthink turns people into monsters now? This is everywhere. It's everywhere. And I keep warning you about things you see across the pond. Like here's Australia's premier. We're gonna to move to a situation where to protect the health system, we're gonna lock out people who are not vaccinated and can be. If you're making the choice not to get vaccinated, then you're making the wrong choice. You're making the wrong choice. And for safety's sake, and for the back to that point about how much work our nurses have to do, as this becomes absolutely a pandemic of the unvaccinated and we open everything up, it's not gonna be safe for people who are not vaccinated to be roaming around the place, spreading the virus. That's what they'll be, that's what they'll be doing. You hear it? Oh, I know you heard it, because we just talked about it. You heard it, didn't you? Weird how they all use the same language now. What did he say? What was that? Pandemic of the unvaccinated. Be very, very, very careful. And don't assume this is only Australia. Our communists here have been telling you on television exactly how they feel. This is that psychopathic doctor on CNN. Remember, this is from July. Uh, I do think uh, it's time to start mandating uh, vaccines. And I think that private industry and private organizations will do that. You know, at GW University, where I work, uh, starting uh, this fall, you can't be on campus unless you're fully vaccinated. 75 million adults have chosen not to get vaccinated. And that choice has consequences. Now, we can't force you to take a jab in the arm, but there are many jobs, perhaps, that can prevent you from working if you decide not to get vaccinated. So I think we need to be more proactive, and I think we will see uh, industry take the lead in this. Of course you don't have to get vaccinated unless you want to work and provide for your family. Are you creeped out yet? Here's this psycho doctor, Liana Wen, that's on CNN all the time. So now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now when it comes to vaccination, to overcoming disinformation. And what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Of course, you, you can opt out but we're going to make sure we get to hurt you. This never ends until there is pushback, ever.
None of these people, because it's never happened throughout history and all the examples I gave you, none of these people are going to have some, some wake-up moment in the morning and wake up and think, oh, you know what? I've turned into the bad guy. That's a separate group of people. It's not their fault. They shouldn't be punished. This is ugh, my fault. I'll do better next time. That moment's never going to happen. Either you make them back off or they will never back off. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We have a great show for you tonight. We got a Navy SEAL on the show for you tonight. We have, uh, well, stay tuned for Lighten the Mood tonight. I think you will get quite a bit of enjoyment out of it. But first, I love reading. But you might not. And you might not. If, if you don't, that's fine. I would argue, though, you probably haven't tried the right kind of book yet. You see, not every book has to be some algebra book out there. There are books like Vince Flynn's Mitch Rapp series. I've read all of them multiple times. Where the main character, he's in every single book, he goes around murdering terrorists. Yes, it's awesome. And he has a new book out called Enemy at the Gates. You can buy it wherever books are sold. I already have it in my hands. I've already read it one and a half times. Go get Vince Flynn's Enemy at the Gates. If you don't enjoy this book, maybe you don't enjoy reading. Again, available wherever books are sold. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Barack Obama. Why? Hang on. I like to look back on occasion. I think it's important. So when I told you before we started this segment we were going to talk about Barack Obama... I wouldn't blame you if you rolled your eyes or said, wait, what? Obama's gone. What are you talking about? No, no, hear me. Hear me out. It is important we go back and we look. Because one of the main problems we have in the United States of America right now, and I don't know how we got to this place as a society, but one of the main problems we have is there is no accountability. None. Uh, picture this. Picture this. We just had, you experienced it. I experienced it. We just had the worst foreign policy disaster in a half century. We just lived through it a couple weeks ago in Afghanistan. Internationally embarrassed. Our allies publicly mocking us. Our enemies mocking us. Our number one enemy on the world stage moving in. American hostages. 13 dead warriors. I mean, you name it. The most embarrassing debacle in a half century. Not one person has resigned. Not one person has issued a public apology. Nobody. Not the president. Not the secretary of state, Blinken. Not Austin. Not Milley. Nobody. Not one person. Not one has stepped up to the microphone and said, you know, it's on me. We must get back to accountability in this country. So you're mad about the Taliban? Hmm? Understandable not necessarily easy to see the people we've been fighting for 20 years take over the place we've been fighting in for 20 years. Well, what about their leadership? Who are their leaders? It's funny you brought that up because we actually are intimately familiar with their leaders. Barack Obama, you see, at one point he was president of the United States and we held in our hand these Taliban terrorist scumbags. And they held in their hands a soldier by the name of Bo Bergdahl, a useless piece of deserting crap who should have been put on military trial and swung from the gallows the second he got back. But Barack Obama didn't see it that way. He decided these Taliban guys have surely changed their ways, and well, we got to go get Bo. So they swapped them. 
we have consulted with Congress for quite some time about the possibility that we might need to execute a prisoner exchange in order to recover Sergeant Bergdahl. We saw an opportunity. We were concerned about Sergeant Bergdahl's health. Uh, we had the cooperation of the Qataris uh, to execute an exchange, and we seized that opportunity. Uh, and the process was truncated because we wanted to make sure that we did not miss that window. But let me just make a, a, a very simple point here, and that is, regardless of the circumstances, whatever those circumstances may uh, turn out to be, we still get an American soldier back if he's held in captivity. Period. Full stop. Good job, Brock. Abdul Haq Wazik, he's the new director of intelligence for the Taliban, that's their CIA. Nor Norula Nouri, Minister of Borders and Tribal Affairs. Mohammed Fazi, he's the Deputy Defense Minister, their Defense Secretary. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. Karula Karebeva, he's the Minister of Information and Culture. What do all four of those men have in common? Well, those are the four men Barack Obama sent over back to Afghanistan in exchange for a deserter, a traitor, and a piece of crap who should be rotting in prison the rest of his life. Actions have consequences. We must, on occasion, look back and own it. Now, let's talk about home title theft real briefly before we get to our guests today. Home title theft is something that can affect every single person who owns a home. If you own a home, your home title's online. And as you sit here watching me, you might already be a victim of home title theft and not know it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com because there's a, there's a free offer right now. Put in your address. Go there and put in your address. It's a $100 value. It'll give you the entire title history of your home. You'll be able to see if you're already a victim of home title theft. And while you're there, sign up. You don't want to be a victim of this crime. It can get you evicted. It can cost you tens of thousands of dollars through no fault of your own. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up today. We'll be back. All right. What's happening in California, I think, is actually the most important thing happening in the United States of America right now. We're going to talk to my buddy John of the John Phillips Show and the great KABC out there because he's, a, he's the biggest wealth of knowledge I know about California. John, I argue that this Gavin Newsom recall, which we'll get into in just a moment, is the most important political fight in America, and I argue it for this reason. If the, uh, the United States sees... California cast out a Democrat because of coronavirus restrictions, you're going to see other coronavirus restrictions vanish like this in this country. Well, you're 100% right. What starts in California makes its way to the rest of the nation. We saw this with Reagan and that brand of conservatism in the 80s. We saw it with all the craziness from the plastic bag bans to the plastic straw bans that we've seen in recent years. And you could see that if people have finally had enough of these idiotic COVID restrictions. And it's really not even just California. Look at the state of Virginia that is now voting for a new governor. That's a state that has been absolutely solidly blue over the last several cycles. And that is within the margin of error. That state could go either way. 
if California goes against Newsom, Virginia goes against Terry McAuliffe, the Democrats are in line for a bloodbath in the midterms, and they know it. Okay, John, explain this because, uh, look, a lot of people don't live in California. They see recall Newsom out there. They don't understand where this even came from, where are we at in the process. Start, begin me at the beginning. Why did Gavin Newsom get recalled at all? What brought this about? Well, everything stems back to a high cost of living. People just can't afford to live here. People think it's just because of taxes or COVID restrictions or all of that, but it all feeds into the cost of living. If your school is shut down because of COVID restrictions, you have to hire a tutor for your kid or you have to send your kid to a private school. That's a tax by a different name. If the crime in your area is so bad that you have to live in an HOA to protect yourself, that HOA fee is a tax by a different name. If you have to repair your car constantly because the roads are so bad, they beat up your car, that's a tax by a different name. And people just simply can't afford to live here. So people who are reflexively liberal, which is most of California, are finally having enough of it. But you listen to Newsom, you listen to the mainstream media, you listen to you know, the LA Times. The LA Times, you look at a headline from that paper about this election, you don't know if it's a legit story or it's from The Onion, where they're doing things like calling Larry Elder a white supremacist. And they're talking about abortion, and they're talking about control of the U.S. Senate, and they're talking about offshore oil drilling, and all of these things that have nothing to do with anything, which is why people are upset. It's the shutdown, it's the high cost of living, and it is absolutely crushing people here. Okay, John, then I have a hard time believing Republicans had a strong enough foothold in California to kick this off. So this came from inside the House. So I'm assuming he's in some trouble with this thing. Where are we at? When are we going to know something? Well, it was within the margin of error a couple of weeks ago. Since then, it's broken towards Newsom because people are scared of the Delta variant. Essentially, Democrats in the state or people who are voting for Newsom are very, very afraid of the virus. And that is driving every single decision that they're making. If you're afraid of the virus, then Governor Lockdown, the warden, is okay by you. If you're not as afraid of the virus because you already had it, or you are not in one of these at-risk populations, you've had the vaccine, whatever the case may be, you're breaking against him. It is literally as simple as that. So the fear porn that we're being fed on a daily basis by the mainstream media is helping Newsom. It's helping the Democrats. They can't shut that off if they want to survive politically. They have to keep it going for as long as possible. Okay, curious, and I'm not even sure if you know this. We didn't talk about this before the show. I don't like identity politics, but I do find demographic trends fascinating. Who is he losing that would be traditionally his? Is it unions? Is it the Latino base? Is it black people? Is it women? Who, who is he losing? Latinos. Uh, you think about who's in charge of the state. Newsom and this cadre of, of elite politicians, uh, you know, this gentry class that's governing the state, they all come from one tiny geographic part. They come from San Francisco. And in San Francisco, people work in banking. They work in high tech. They work in all these white-collar professions where you can work from home and it's no big deal. It's also not a very diverse city in the traditional sense of how they look at diversity. It's essentially high-income earning whites and Asians. You go to the central part of the state, you go to the southern part of the state, 
the differences between that part of the state and Northern California, it's just night and day. The industries that people work in, the demographic makeup of who lives there. And you're talking about Latinos in the central and southern part of the state. You're talking about people who work for small businesses, businesses that were closed while Walmart and other big corporations were allowed to remain open. If you shut the schools down, someone's got to be at home for childcare so they can't work. The shutdowns have absolutely crushed them. And so Democrats always count on Latinos turning out and voting for them. I don't think they can count on that in this election. In fact, the former majority leader in the California Senate, Gloria Romero, came out and endorsed Larry Elder, which is the first time I can think of any high-ranking Democrat in the state breaking ranks, but it was Gloria. Okay, Larry Elder is somebody I'm familiar with, but I don't think a lot, a ton of people are. I know he's not some obscure guy, but explain to people who Larry Elder is. Uh, Larry Elder is a colleague of mine. He and I worked together for about 15 years at KABC. Um, longtime radio talk show host here in the market, newspaper columnist, author. He had a television show for a while. He is a, a well-known name in the southern part of the state. He's also a libertarian and a black man from South Central Los Angeles who became a lawyer and then this media personality. And it's funny because when you think of libertarians, you don't think of hard right. You don't think of people who are you know, considered to be on the fringes of our side of the aisle. But that's how he's being portrayed. He's being portrayed as this literal white supremacist that the LA Times has <laughs> called him repeatedly over and over, like he's Clayton Bixby from the old Chappelle show on Comedy Central. But they do it with a straight face. And it's crazy because when you watch their, their broadcasts and you read their papers, you think that race is literally everything to them, but it's not, it's ideology. Because the minute you get a black man who's out running for office, who has an opportunity to win a high office, if he's not preaching what they're preaching, then you just go after him like he's David Duke. All right, John, how expensive is it there? Because I've seen these gas prices and it's brutal and I have so many friends as I know you do who are, they're leaving. They're saying they're leaving. Yeah. How expensive? It's between four and five bucks a gallon right now. But it's not just that. You have to pay a, a vehicle registration fee every time you get your, your license renewed here in the state, which is among the highest in the nation. Um, you know, we have this, this blend, this ethanol blend over the summer because of the air. So, you know, during the summer, it's much, much higher than other parts of the year. They find ways to absolutely kill you with these fees. And they, they get creative with it. They say, oh, it's a fee, it's not a tax. So when you pay your vehicle registration fee, we're not taxing you, that's just a fee. So don't get too angry about that. And they do that with literally everything. And you know, I have lived here my entire life. If I was having a high school graduation right now, they might as well have it in Dallas because that's where everyone lives. No one's left. John Phillips, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Look, I don't know how much you can get involved in California if you're not in California. I'm telling you, you want these lockdowns to end in your area? You want this madness to end in your area? If Larry Elder wins in California, it's going to shake some Democrats in their shoes about this lockdown madness. All right, now... 
these are stressful times. I realize that. And when you have stressful times, when things aren't necessarily going that well, <clears throat> it's easy to reach. It's easy to reach for Copenhagen, reach for cigarettes, some Marlboros you got laying around. It's easy to reach for tobacco. It is. I, I've done it all. I dipped for years. Jake's Mint Chew might be worth a try. Give Jake's Mint Chew a try because it's tobacco-free. It's sugar-free. It's nicotine-free. And yet you can put that dip in your lip. Or you can put a little CBD pouch in your lip, totally clean. And you don't have to feel guilty about it. And it will take that edge off. And you didn't start dipping again. You didn't start smoking again. Do it at your desk. Do it at your home. Try Jake's Mint Chew. I swear by the stuff. I always have about six cans in my house. Jake'sMintChew.com. Use the promo code JESSE. It'll get you 10% off. Jake'sMintChew.com. We'll be back. He's back. Joining me now is a man who's done one or two things in his life, I guess you, you could say. Jonathan Gillum, FBI Special Agent, Navy SEAL, Federal Air Marshal, author of the book, uh, author of the book Sheep No More. Um, Jonathan, let's begin at the beginning with Afghanistan. We've, we've covered what happened a thousand different times. Let's just set that aside for a moment and address where we are right now. Where is the country right now? <laughs> right now as we speak, um, and I just got through uh, watching the news there for a few minutes uh, before I came on here. Uh, w the point that we're at now is we're lost, completely lost there. The Taliban now really has the ability to hold Americans hostage. We know that there's Americans still in there. We know that that's a, a bargaining chip that they didn't have uh, a month ago. Now they have that bargaining chip. They didn't even have that, that chip really a couple of weeks ago. Now the Biden administration, uh, have they have given them that, that bargaining chip. That's why I believe that the Obama administration is not in a hurry to get Americans out. I mean, that's the only thing from an investigative standpoint that I can make any sense of. It doesn't quite make sense to me why we would have left without ensuring all those Americans were out of there and in the way things have, have uh, turned out now. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, it is. It appears in a press release today that uh, the uh, uh, that the almost said Obama that the Biden administration really the same thing that the Biden administration is insisting on this and, and making it the, the priority that the Taliban be inclusive and allow women into uh, their political uh, leadership, and um, they're not really even talking about the fact that. People from uh, the Bo Bergdahl exchange, uh, known murderous terrorists, are now leading the Taliban. They didn't even mention that in the press release. That's where we're at. Bo Bergdahl, I talked about him a little earlier in the show. Please, Jonathan, elaborate. Who exactly is this warrior we gave up four terrorist leaders for? Five, He's actually. He's a fruitcake. Yeah, he's a fruitcake, and he. I talked to the guys from his platoon many times. I'm still uh, friends with a couple of them, and they knew. I don't know if you remember back uh, in the days when Saturday Night Live was good, and uh, they they did a skit on buckwheat and kept saying that uh, buckwheat killed the president, and Eddie Murphy was playing buckwheat, and they didn't. When interviewed, everybody that was uh, from his hometown, they said, "Do you think he killed the president?" He said, "Yeah." 
everybody knew he was going to kill the president. That's all he ever talked about. And that's what it was like when I sat down with Bo Bergdahl's platoon. They already knew he was going to desert. That's all he ever talked about was the Afghanistan people and wanting to get to know them. And it was uh, not a comedy skit, but it really did resemble that in the way that everybody knew that this guy was an activist, that he had problems, and that when they heard the alarm go off that somebody was missing, they went straight to where he was at, or supposed to be, and all his gear had been collected, folded, and nicely put there, um, and he was gone. Okay, and why, I, I, I mean, I hate to backtrack, but I did it a little earlier tonight, why exactly would Barack Obama give up scumbags for this scumbag? Well, I think it's partly incompetent, but you know, I was I did an interview with Shepard Smith on Fox News. I just put this on Twitter in 2014 and we got in this debate back and forth. You know, Shepard Smith is a, a known liberal and a supporter of the Obama administration back then. I'm sure he loves Joe Biden. But we went back and forth because he he felt as though Afghanistan was a success that we had turned it into nation building, that um, uh, we were doing things to uh, push uh, or eliminate the Taliban, but at the same time build uh, rapport with people to stop and dialogue and diplomacy to stop the violence. None of that is true. None of that worked out. And so I think part of it is incompetence. I think part of it is this weird ideology, this leftist ideology that's been around since the early 1800s, um, started here in the United States before it went to Europe, that these weirdos think that they can make the world a peaceful place by uh, having dialogue and doing good things for the, for bad people. And then I also think that the people at the top of the Democrat Party and some of the people that are at the top of the Republican Party are uh, steeped in criminality, and they were looking for things, whether it be the poppy trade, whether it be lithium, because you've noted, if you noticed, everything that they did to prop up the Taliban and eventually give the country back has led to a greater relationship with China and that lithium. And the people that did this from our po uh, political government are people who are known to have contacts with China. So th none of this is conspiracy theory, by the way. You can look at this. You can see the relationships there. That's why it was no surprise to me when Joe Biden handled this as poorly as he did, that it worked out in China's favor. And I think in the long okay. run, what you saw back then is is actually coming to fruition now. Okay, lithium, explain that. This is the first time a lot of people have heard it. So uh, lithium is what goes in all these batteries, uh, all these car batteries, any of the, the batteries that have uh, a, a charging ability and a long life, I'm no scientist, but all these cars have lithium in the batteries. And uh, in Afghanistan, it's one of the largest lithium deposits in the world. And now China is gonna work closely with Afghanistan and uh, they're gonna be the ones that are gonna be mining this and rebuilding Afghanistan around basically the, the ability to mine this lithium. So <sighs> we, we basically have given this over to China and, uh, and, and to Afghanistan, to the people who attacked us 20 years ago and to the, the, the nation state of China that wants to eliminate us right now. 
Okay, explain the Panjshir Valley right now. I understand we have a still a bunch of warriors up there fighting, yeah. but I understand the Taliban have made big, big, big gains, which is not easy to do in the Panjshir Valley. It's an easy place to defend. What's happening there and why? Well, I think there's a couple of things. One, the leader of that resistance is gone. He's in Turkey now. So, you know, a, a resistance force without their leader being there to give them direction and inspiration because this guy his you know comes from a line of family members who rebelled against the taliban so they're not getting any of that because they've cut cell phone service there's no facebook there's no way to communicate with these people so they're making it up as they go along now i think there's probably like everything else you could talk to any volunteer firefighter uh, around this country the same five uh, 20 people will show up the same five people fight the fire so that's basically what you have in any resistance, you're going to have hardcore fighters, and then the rest of the people are there because they're inspired, but they're really not there to give their life. And those people will lay down their arms and will go and reassimilate themselves with the Taliban. But now you see, I think this is very interesting, now you're starting to see a resurgence of of Al-Qaeda, right, which they said was gone. And I think what's going to happen with this is that Al-Qaeda potentially could become stronger and people will swear allegiance to that versus ISIS and the Taliban, that that Al-Qaeda could actually become this inspirational force once again. What's 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 home base for Al Qaeda? I understand that there's a million different sects of these terrorist groups, and there's there's a group here and a cell here and a cell. I understand there's not necessarily a central command, but is Afghanistan home base for these guys now? That's basically where they started. So that I would think that. See, what you have to understand, Jesse, is that it doesn't matter if it's ISIS, uh, if it is uh, Al Qaeda, or if it's the Taliban, or whatever other name you want to call them. Ideologically, uh, if you can motivate these people through their religion, uh, they will uh, be inspired and they will come and fight for you. There's it, not like there's a tryout for it. There's not a a card uh, that you get in the mail. You know, a membership card. This is whoever is the strongest is going to have the members that are going to come to them. We've seen this everywhere. You know, when ISIS was in Syria, uh, individuals were flocking there from all over the world to fight with them. And when you see things like uh, happened in Texas uh, two weeks ago, where a guy goes in and shoots up, um, I, I don't remember where it was, but it was a police department in Texas goes in, shoots up the police department. When they go out to his car, they find a letter where he swore allegiance to ISIS-K. I mean, he's, he swore allegiance to ISIS-K. That's all you have to do. Raise your right hand or whatever they do and say, I, I'm, I'm with you. There's no, there's no tryout. So, and that didn't get in the news, by the way. That Nobody's reported that. So uh, I think what you're seeing over there is that they will call it whatever they want, but it's basically the same people. And ultimately the most dangerous part of this is that we have created what Qaddafi was. We recreated that in the Taliban. So they now have a nation state, they now have a commodity, and they're going to sponsor terrorism all over the world. That's what they do, that's what they know. And they know that they've proven that no mighty force can come in there and conquer them, basically because the mighty forces are not willing to wipe them off the face of the earth. So unless they do that, uh, it's too rough of a place to fight, and they know that they'll win every time. Jonathan Gillum, thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you. You got it, my friend. All right. We have a great light in the mood next.
You know a mistake every parent, grandparent makes? I've certainly made it myself a million times, is you're, you have a project you want to do, whatever the project may be, building a shed or something like that, and you say to yourself, this would be a great thing to include my son on. We can do this together. It'll be an extra helping hand. It's never a helping hand. It's never a helping hand. This is how it turns out every time. No eating the butter, though, okay? Okay. Good job, Kate. Kate, we have time to eat the butter. A cup of sugar, okay? Yes. Put it over. Right. Wait, Kate. <laughs> What's next? After the sugar. Oh, jeez. It has to be packed in there, so put it in. Don't eat the brown sugar. Oh my gosh, no. and put it in. Oh, yep. No, we don't eat. What? No, we're not eating flour. Three. Oh. Turn it off for now and then turn it back on when we get a back out of the oven. I never could do that. Oh. <laughs> the best was the eggs. <laughs> All right. I'll see you tomorrow.